Hi, we're back for another episode. How exciting. I am airing this on a Sunday, but I don't know when you're listening to it because I'm not the boss of you. So, I mean, you can do what you want, but that's... Do you know what? I I think maybe everything is going to be fine. I just have a good feeling this week. I don't know what's going on. Anyways, um... We have an exciting, fun episode ahead. And also, I should remind you, the new book and new album, Deus Ex Machina, are out now. You can buy them on pretty much like everywhere you would imagine you can buy a book or an album. <laughs> but the links are in the description anyway and on my website, so you can check those out. Um, I'm recording this, um, a little while after it's come out, so it came out on Friday, I'm recording this on Saturday night. Um, I'm really grateful to all the people who have, um, who have shared with me their experience of experiencing it. Um, I'm really grateful for everyone who has bought a copy so far, it really means a lot to me, and I really hope you enjoy it. Um... Oh, I am also currently having a giveaway on my Twitter account, which is Miss J Squared, um, where you can win a copy of the book and the album. Uh, there is five uh, pairs to give away, so you can still enter that until Monday afternoon. So uh, the details for that are, again, in the description, so you can check that out and enter if you want to. And now I'm actually going to get on with the content of the episode because I'm pretty sure you didn't come here for no damn infomercial or... Do they, do they still call them that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to get on with it. I am. The way that I am in this world is the only way I could have ever been. I was just supposed to be this. And maybe this isn't so bad. I mean, I've had some good reviews. Some people have had a good time. Nobody really came away traumatized or injured in a life-changing way that I know of. And the bright side is being as self-absorbed as I am means that even if they did, I wouldn't know about it. I could never really have outrun the first steps that led me here, the times that built me, the way I was always supposed to go, the adventure I was always supposed to be for whoever had the misfortune to find me. And you did. I hope I get another good review. I hope you're not too traumatised when you leave. I hope you're still in one piece. I hope you never leave. And I think that was inevitable too. I actually started writing that by just pressing things on correct. I do that sometimes. Just, you know... I just type in like a starter word or a, like a phrase or something and then I just press autocorrect until it makes sense 
um, just like to give me some ideas and then I'll kind of finesse it a little. I don't know. Um, and originally it just kind of started out as a, I hate myself, but what can I do? But then it kind of became a, I still hate myself, but for some reason you like me and that's cool kind of situation. Um, I'm going to be real. I'm still adapting to the fact that, because it's a weird thing, right? Sometimes I genuinely think I am that bitch and I'll be like, oh my God, if I could, I would clone myself and I would marry myself and we would be very happy living somewhere in a, a lovely mansion, having a wonderful time. Um, and you know, that's one of the best parts about being bisexual is I could date myself. Because some days I look at myself and I'm like, wow, girl, I love you. Like I have never loved anybody in my life. You are so beautiful. You are so hot. I love you. I want to marry you. I want, wow. But then some days I'm like, if I could, I would clone myself and then I would murder that bitch because I hate her. You know, so it really goes either or like from day to day. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I love myself. And then sometimes I'm like, I hate myself. And then have to having to factor in the fact that there's someone who loves me every day. It's like, oh, oh, okay, right, hmm, okay, okay, you know, and I, that carries on for a while, um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, because some, you know, like, like I said, some days I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're right, I am amazing, look at me look at me you're lucky i'm not charging you to look at me i'm so beautiful i'm so amazing i'm so cute and funny and awesome and intelligent and oh my god you are the luckiest bitch alive but then some days i'm like i'm really sorry that you've had the misfortune to fall in love with me that must be terrible for you i i i would I I I would pay you compensation were it not for the fact that creators don't really earn money. I I am so sorry. Um, do you take exposure? I I get given plenty of that by people I work for. Would that work for you? I don't know. Um, you know, so it's like being okay with someone loving you is weird as fuck. Um, especially when you don't always love you, and. But kind of, I I mean, I don't know. Every now and again, I just sort of have this moment of like, okay, yeah, right now you kind of hate yourself and you're in that mood of like, I fucking hate you, you dumb bitch. Why are you like this? Why do you look like this? Why do you talk like that? Why are you so annoying? Why are you so ugly? You know what I mean? But then I'll have like a brief moment of, well, this person that we love very much doesn't think that, so maybe none of those things are true. 
And it's like a brief thing. That's nice. It's nice to have that to kind of bring me back. And and then it's just a case of trying to strike the balance between never-ending narcissism and just kind of healthy. Yeah, okay, I like myself. It's a, it's a process, you know. We'll get there. Hopefully. One of the things that I have been asked about a lot and I've got emails and social media comments and um, you know things like that is a song that I previewed a while ago on Instagram <laughs> called Dream Serene that I wrote and I was gonna release it but then I hated it so <laughs> I kind of just ignored it and people kept asking about it though because they'd seen a preview and they were like oh you're ever gonna release it and I was like no um I mentioned on here a couple of months ago I think I was talking about the new record and I said you know I'm not that song's not on there so nobody asked me about that but I'm finally releasing it it's gonna happen um I I I'm releasing a new single on Valentine's Day uh, Cloud Nine from the new album, and I was originally just gonna, you know, put it out as a single, but I thought I wanted to do something, a little, a little special. So I'm releasing a mini EP, um, called Songs for Soulmates, which you can pre-order now actually on Bandcamp, and the link for that is below, and it includes a new, um, sort of rework, as it were of that mysterious song that <laughs> I've been asked about more than probably anything I've ever done, Dream Serene, because I was I was talking to my boyfriend about it a while ago and he said, you know, even if you don't like it, you should release it because if if people are asking you, you should. And I was like, but I hate it. I don't want to release something that I don't like, right? And it was, it was about kind of this abstract idea before. And now I've, I've kind of rewritten it and it's about something real and, and legitimate. And so I like it a lot more, I think, for that reason. So um, if you're one of those people who wanted that song, it's coming. It'll be here in a couple weeks. You, you, can, you, can, <laughs> you can finally hear it. Um, and I hope that, that you, you enjoy it, um, <laughs> because I enjoy what it became, so that would be nice.
So it's LGBT History Month, so of course it cannot pass without some kind of catastrophe. Um, <laughs> HBO, I think it's like a TV thing in America or whatever, have announced a new show called Legendary, which is a voguing competition series. Voguing, of course, is a, f- a form of performance that um, was created by the ballroom scene, which is um, a community within the LGBT community. Um, and it's a very specific group of people. I really feel I must state before I start talking about this <laughs> in further detail, simply being part of the LGBT community or identifying as LGBT does not make you part of the ballroom scene. I'm LGBT, but I am not part of the ballroom scene. Uh, You know, voguing is quite frankly none of my business and simply being a bisexual does not mean I am qualified to judge a voguing competition. That's an important detail. Now, It was announced on, I feel like it was, when was this? When was the 4th? What day is it today? Christ. Tuesday. There we go. It was announced on Tuesday that Jamila Jamil, or Jamil, sorry, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. You know how I am. Yes, so she was going to be the judge of this show. She was going to be one of the judges for a voguing competition. She's an actress and a TV host who has no connection with the ballroom scene. I, I, I don't, I don't think she has any connection to this at all. And yet, Now, there was backlash for this because people were upset. Um, Firstly, people were upset because it's like, what is her connection to voguing or to the ballroom scene at all? Which house is she in? You know, which trophies has she ever won? You know, (laughs) what categories has she walked in? Does she even know anything about voguing beyond the song Vogue by Madonna. You know, people were mad about it because the ballroom scene is something that has essentially had a lot of the things about it taken and used by other people without any credit, without any care for what they want. And so naturally people are a bit a bit protective of them because they have been used over and over because i mean here's the thing it looks cool as fuck voguing looks cool as fuck the costumes that people wear to balls look cool as fuck the makeup they do looks amazing the kind of music that they create is amazing and people love it but a lot of people will just snatch it up walk away and act like they invented it. And so naturally there is a little bit 
of like a little, you know, kind of, we want to protect them. We've seen this happen before. And so when someone with absolutely no connection to, to the scene comes in and is the judge on this TV show about it, people are a bit like, okay, what the fuck? Especially as people who actually are connected to the ballroom scene have all openly said that they they spoke to the creators of the show, they talked about doing the show, and they were turned down in favour of the other people, who we now know is, you know, people like Jamila. And secondly, Jamila specifically <laughs> has kind of made diversity and you know, making space for other people and things like that, her whole brand, you know, I'm going to be real for a long time. I, you know, I would see her, you know, she, you know, she'd be on social media. I would see her posts like retweeted and shared a lot. I would see blogs about her. I would see articles about her, podcasts, everything. And it was about her talking about things like body image and um, allyship and, you know, promoting diversity and stuff like that. It, it, you know, it wasn't for a while that I, I realised that, you know, she, she did other things. You know, she was an actress. I also didn't realise for a long time that she, she was actually a TV presenter over here in the UK for ages. And I just hadn't noticed. But, you know, my point is, you know, this whole, you know, diversity and, and being a good ally and everything like that was a part of her brand for so long that it was quite jarring for people to essentially see her taking an opportunity away from a small and marginalised community that has had that happen to them for forever, really. <laughs> it was a bit like, surely this is against everything you stand for. What are you doing? Um, and a lot of people felt like that. And they, they told her. They let her know. Um, so she got out the old notes app. Um, and this is, this is where things start to get a bit, you know, Twitter is brutal, full stop. This is why I never officially came out as queer. I added a rainbow to my name when I felt ready a few years ago, as it's not easy within the South Asian community to be accepted and I always answered honestly if I ever straight up, if ever straight up asked about it on Twitter. But I kept it low because I was scared of the pain of being accused of performative bandwagon jumping. Do you know what? I'm going to stop you there, sis, because that's, that's not what anyone here is accusing you of. Firstly, <laughs> I mean, congrats on coming out officially, I guess. I, I don't know. Um... But, you know, people angry about her taking the position on the show are not accusing her of performative bandwagon jumping. They are accusing her of speaking over and taking space from a very small part of the LGBT community that have had that happen to them for decades, okay? This is not about whether she is straight, gay, bisexual, or what. 
This is about the fact that she is not part of the ballroom scene. This is not her domain. This is not who she is. It's not her identity. And she is in a position where she could have gone to bat for some of those smaller names who who deserve opportunities too, and whose stories it actually is that this show would be telling. She could have said, you know what? I love the idea of this show. I'm happy to be a part of this show, but I am not qualified to judge the show. You know who is? You know, here's a list of people who are actually involved in this scene who are qualified for this. Give them the exposure, you know, but she chose not to do that. She chose to take it anyway, even though she's not hurting for work. So <laughs> that is what people are angry about. Nobody, <laughs> nobody is accusing you of performative bandwagon jumping. People are accusing you of taking opportunities away from a very small part of the LGBT community that you do not belong to. And that's exactly what you're doing. So I, I'm i going to be real. I don't see how her now officially coming out as queer has anything to do with this because she still has no experience of the ballroom scene. She has no claim to the stories that the show is telling. She isn't qualified for this at all. And she still took an opportunity from someone who is all of those things and could actually use the job and needs it, whereas she doesn't. So her being LGBT herself really has nothing to do with this. I, because, you know, I, she's still not part of, of that scene and she still is not qualified to talk about this as if she can judge people. And it's still not her talk, it's not her story to tell. You know, I, I'm I'm bisexual. I'm part of the LGBT community. It would not be right for me to go on a show where I judged something related to, I don't know, drag queens. Because I am not a drag queen. I've never done drag in my life. Um, I have no knowledge of what it actually takes to do it correctly. It's none of my business. It's nothing to do with me. You know, um, in the same vein, you know, me as a bisexual, I couldn't go on TV and talk about the experience of being trans because I'm not trans and I don't know. <laughs> it's not my story. I, I don't know a trans person's life and their experiences. If somebody approached me and said, would you like to come on TV to talk about trans things? I would say, I'm not qualified for that. But here are some trans people I know that are, because that's the right thing to do. And I, I'm not somebody who has, you know, the previous um, exposure and, and the opportunities that she has had and the money that she now has as a result of her career. She's in a much better position than me to turn down work and point it to someone who, who actually deserves it. So, so why, why, why is she finding that hard to understand? Why is she sitting there acting like people are being mean to her? Nobody's, no, that's not what's happening. 
people are calling you out on your shit. I'm sorry if you're not used to that. But, I mean, firstly, you've kind of made a side career of doing that to other people. So you really should have expected it to come around to you eventually. And secondly, welcome to adult life, sis. You get called on your shit. You know, if you're out here talking over other people, taking space away from them, taking opportunities away from them, you should expect someone to come for you eventually. And it is happening. It's happening now. And you can sit there and you can put up your little, your little fucking notes app thing and you can say Twitter is brutal. But you know what? No, it isn't. Well, it is, but not for the reason that you're claiming. Yes, Twitter can be a fucking hellscape sometimes, but people are not calling you out here to be mean to you or to bully you. People are calling you out because you are taking up spaces from marginalised people that you, you have no right to. Voguing is not yours. It is not your story it is not part of your culture or <laughs> Jesus woman i just the the grasps of false victimhood in all of this was tragic it's like girl grow up like people have a right to say this isn't your fucking story pipe down and that's that's all they said And she's out here acting like people from Twitter were threatening to turn up to her house and murder her. God, nobody said that. It was embarrassing. I just... I mean... And like I said, nobody was forcing her to officially come out. And... You know what? The fact that she does changes nothing because she still is not part of the ballroom scene. She still is not in a position where she's qualified to judge anything. And there are still people more qualified than her that didn't get the role that she doesn't need anyway. So yeah, you still fucked up, sis. So... (laughs) You can sit there on Twitter with your little notes app. Fucking, you know, crying and asking for sympathy or whatever. But I mean, (laughs) this girl was really, in her little Twitter note, she really at the end, she was like, to the press, I really, really don't want to talk about it. Girl, if you stop doing dumb shit, no one's gonna, no one's gonna want to talk about it anyway. But anyways, I mean, like I said, there were people far more qualified than this girl who should have got this role and were talking to producers about getting this role, but didn't get it, so that she could fucking live her little, you know, dipping her toes in ballroom fantasy. And, you know, (laughs) I just, if you're going to make intersectionality 
your whole brand, you should actually try and live it. That's all. Currently on Patreon, I have a special offer available for existing and new subscribers. Everybody who is subscribed, subscribe, I can't even speak properly, Jesus. Anyways, everyone who is subscribed on Patreon uh, by the 3rd of March will receive a signed copy of my new book, Duis Ex Machina. Um, so existing subscribers will get it and anyone who signs up before the 3rd of March will also get it. Um, so you can find the details for my Patreon in the description below or on my website. Um, you get behind the scenes access to my working process, the things I do, my day-to-day -day life, if that's of interest. Um, <laughs> uh, you get early release content, you get exclusive content that I don't release in other places. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be putting up some stuff uh, from the podcast that is probably not going to be aired. <laughs> I will be putting that up for Patreon subscribers this week as well, for an example of the kind of things um, that subscribers get. Um, and whenever I release something, you get a free digital copy of it. And as I said, if you are subscribed to my Patreon by March 3rd, whether you are an odd subscriber, whether you are a new subscriber, whether you are on the $1 tier or the $10 tier, it doesn't matter. As long as you're subscribed, you are getting a signed copy of the new book. So if you're interested in subscribing to my Patreon and taking advantage of this special offer, the details are in the description or you can visit my website, jenniferwan.com and find out more there. Everyone likes to quote that poem about trade unionists, Jews and communists. And, you know, first they came for, well, you know it, right? Everybody knows it. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do firmly believe that nobody actually hears it. It's just what they think they should say. You know, it's a specific day of the year in which we remember that humanity is fucking atrocious. Let's take a break from accusing the local rabbi of being in the pay of Israel or from accusing the local imam of having links to ISIS so we can all post the same screenshot of the same poem that we don't really understand because we're better than this, right? This is a tolerant country. This is a wonderful country. This is a place of opportunity and prosperity. And when we say these things, we mean them, right? We mean never again. We mean open celebration, tolerance. What the fuck does tolerance even mean? I mean, someone's different so you just tolerate them i i don't know how okay i am with that as a concept
sometimes I imagine before, you know, there was a time before when people wouldn't hate each other. And it's delusional and naive and very John Lennon and imagine there's a time when everyone's just nice to each other and nobody hates each other and for some reason that's what a lot of people think of when they see England and I'm like (laughs) wait what I see a lot of people on social media and they say before Brexit or before the Tories got into power or before the National Front or before they just go on and on listing many many times in which people just kind of let their guard down and let their racism out and I'm supposed to believe there were long periods of peace in between that and I'm gonna be real I don't and I am sick of seeing people post that fucking poem first they came for the communists and the the Jews and the trade unionists and the yes there was nobody left to speak for you because you were a fucking coward but if all you do is post that poem then maybe you're a fucking coward too And maybe this green and pleasant land is green with envy of other places where you can be less polite of your hatred of minorities and only pleasant if you're willing to delude yourself about what it actually is. That, I... I it's, it's kind of... um adapted from some dialogue from a play I'm writing because I'm writing a play now that's a thing um will it ever see the light of day I don't know um you know what I'm like I I get excited about an idea and then I think of another idea and it just sort of goes on and on but I I've been thinking about a lot of things right I've been thinking about racism I think about racism a lot um because, I mean, <laughs> living in England as long as I have, I have seen plenty of it. Um, which is something a lot of people don't want to acknowledge, which, I mean, anyway. Um, it's been playing on my mind a lot more recently. Seeing people get uppity with Stormzy for talking about racism uh I was I was a bit like wow okay um the whole thing with Meghan Markle as well people are talking about oh talking about racism is boring why are you always playing the race card and all this dumb shit and I'm like oh fuck's sake but the thing that really kind of got me thinking I want to write this fucking play (laughs) was Holocaust Memorial Day right because I saw 
on social media. Unfortunately, right, the way that Twitter works, and I have turned this setting off, but it keeps turning itself back the fuck on because, I don't know, Twitter is a scam. People that follow other people will sometimes like a tweet by somebody and then that tweet will show up in your feed or people that are mutual followers of other people that you follow will show up in your feed sometimes and so you know just pretty much every day I see people that I don't follow and I have no interest in following showing up in my timeline because because Twitter is a scam like I said anyway um and what I kept seeing on Holocaust Memorial Day, I cannot stress enough the amount of times I saw that Nobody Left to Speak for Me poem posted by so many people. Now, this is not a criticism of the poem itself. I think it's a very powerful poem. I think it's very beautiful. I've always liked it very much. But what I saw on Holocaust Memorial Day was quite a lot of people who had spent like the last year and many years before that essentially baiting and attacking the Jewish community and then Holocaust Memorial Day comes around and they post that shit and I'm like oh (laughs) so now you're concerned about people coming for the Jews I see interesting and I I started thinking about other examples of that you know kind of very English racism (laughs) you know this whole kind of you know oh we don't mean you when we say these things um you know oh when we're talking about immigrants we're not talking about you don't worry um you know and stuff like um you know I'm very tolerant I'm you know I tolerate people and you know I don't mind other people and other cultures. I just wish they'd learn the fucking language. That kind of shit, you know? Um, And of course, like, the hardest stuff that we... (laughs) That, you know, people who are not delusional have seen over the years. Um, and, And this kind of insistence from people that actually England is super tolerant and super amazing. I I fucking hate the word tolerant. I cannot express to you how much I despise it. I think it's insulting. I really, really do. Um, But it's the word everyone fucking uses, tolerant. As if that's something to be proud of. Oh, congratulations, you don't, you know, spew hate at people to their faces for their differences. Oh, well done you. Anyway, um, so I was just kind of thinking about racism in modern britain um and i started writing this fucking play (laughs) um i i'm like two-thirds of the way through writing it and i i sort of hit writer's block and so i thought i would take some parts of it and adapt it into a, a sort of poem of sorts and um but one of the things that's really cool about writing it is i I am taking actual, like, statements from people on social media of, like, racist abuse that they've thrown at people. And I'm using that as part of the dialogue in the play. It's kind of like, a you know, putting a mirror up to people and saying, are you sure that you think these kind of things are acceptable to say, my dude? Really? Because, I mean, 
you'd be surprised how many people who will sit there and say, I'm not racist, I'm an anti-racist even, you know, I've never been racist a day in my life. And then they'll sit there saying some of the most disgustingly racist things, you know, typing away at their computer, because I guess they think racism isn't real if it's on the internet, I don't know. Um, You know, and I was kind of looking at the racism that is aimed at, for example, Muslim women, uh, Jewish women, um, black women, and it's been really, I don't want to say fun to work on it, because it hasn't, literally sitting there and typing certain keywords into Twitter so that I can find these horrible people shouting racist abuse through the internet at, at people for no reason is, is horrible. I, and I wouldn't say it's eye-opening either, because I'm essentially just writing down things I already know to be true. Yes, I know that the myth that there is no racism in the UK is a delusion. Yes, I know that the idea that it's a very small number of people is probably also a delusion. It's not to say everyone's racist, but there's quite a lot of it going about and I already know this this is not news to me um so it's not like I am you know learning anything new it's it's I guess it's kind of cathartic it's like ah, I'm just writing down things and just telling people hey it's fucked up when you do this and I I don't know if I'm gonna do anything with it but you know that's a thing I'm doing and god it would be cute if racism could end but it's never gonna happen and that makes me sad what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business well, everyone really needs to stand up and say, OK, no, this is not politics in the normal British way. This is something darker and bleaker and it's got to stop. Peace is possible and must be achieved. We want Scotland to remain inside the EU and we want the UK to remain inside the EU. Labour is weak and divided and completely unable to offer any sort of opposition to the Tories. And I say, I say to all the doubters, So it turns out it's not just Labour leadership candidates who can be messy, messy clowns. Oh my God. So Lloyd Russell Moyle, um, who is a Labour MP, um, he posted this video on social media. Um, it was a TikTok because everyone's decided they're getting TikTok now, which is fine, I guess. Um, in a way, I think politics kind of delving into TikTok is cute. It's going to help bring more young people in and, you know, hopefully we can get those youth photo numbers up. That's great. Um, but he posted a video on TikTok um, and it was it was like a 
like a remake of that vine where Kylie Jenner goes downstairs and there's like a, a like, there's some kind of animal and she's like, is that a chick? I don't, I don't know. I'm not really up with my Kylie Jenner memes because I don't care about her as a person, but you know the one, right? So anyways, they do like a remake of that and he's playing the chicken. Um, and he was doing like this little chicken dance in the video. And so his local newspaper um, wrote a story about it. The Brighton and Hove News wrote a story about it because it's a pretty bizarre sight to see an MP dancing like a chicken in a TikTok video. And the video did go viral. It was being posted a lot. It was being shared a lot. Um, a lot of people were commenting on it. And I mean, it is a local paper. So obviously local papers are going to, you know, post even small things about the local MP because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not like, you know, this is like a huge national publication. So that of course they're going to focus on things that are local and relevant to local people. And frankly, a weird video of your local MP going viral is, is probably of interest to the people of Brighton. Anyways, he had a fucking breakdown on Twitter. Um, he wasn't even tagged in the article, by the way. So he was like searching for his own name to find this. Um, and he, he responded, another trash piece by journalist. And he put that in quote marks to try and imply she's not a proper journalist. Brighton News Joe, who didn't ask for comment again. What the fuck kind of comment do you need on a fucking TikTok video, sweetheart? Like, what what, what comment did you think you were going to add to this story that was of that much interest? I don't know. Who didn't ask for comment again, takes things out of context for tittle-tattle. This bitch really said tittle-tattle. I can't. After work, we had a bit of fun acting a parody, bent over laughing, we have all done charades, etc. It's clear acting is not a career for me. Well, neither is being an MP if you're, like, being a sensitive little bitch over, like, your local paper having the audacity to cover the things you do. Anyways, she didn't take nothing out of context. It's not like she posted the video and was, like, you know, implying he was, like, doing drugs or that he was, like, drunk or something and doing this weird dance in a video, she made it quite clear that it was a TikTok video and he was doing a parody of a famous meme, right? She was very clear about that in the story. She included some of his tweets about it. You know, it's not like she was acting like this was something different to what it is. She was just reporting on the fact that he made a video that went viral. That's it. There was no gossip mongering. There was no taking it out of context and making him look bad on purpose or trying to twist the truth to make him look bad. It was none of that. She was just reporting that he was in a video that got a lot of traction. There was a bit silly and fun. And he, oh my God, 
he just he went off it was ridiculous i i mean and then she replied and she said that she had actually emailed him to ask if he had anything that he wanted to say for her to add to the story so straight off the bat it turns out he's lying when he says he wasn't consulted about the story because he was um and then she she says you know obviously i quoted what you tweeted in reply to the video and i made it clear it was a parody and rather than responding to any of that he just starts ranting on about you know how he was busy or whatever and he's like this is what he said i'm not shy at giving quote 9 p.m last night i was on the phone to your colleague so she could write a piece on the leadership okay <laughs> this morning i was up at 7 a.m with someone called jody um jody dc doing investigation on antisocial behaviour and drug taking, then straight to London for BBC Southeast on police failure and drugs. I'm not shy at taking calls. Well then why didn't you answer this one? If you're so fucking upset about it, girl, why didn't you why didn't you comment before the piece went to be published? Like you had the opportunity, Miss Thing. She emailed you. <laughs> And he's like, where's public interest? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Most people in, in the public would be interested in watching like a fun little video of the MP that went viral. Like the public made it public interest when they made it go viral. Like, as it's not this journalist's fault if he doesn't understand like social media enough to realize this was probably going to happen but he then went on for several tweets like just going off at this poor woman and all, all she did was just report on a thing he did and it's like if you don't want journalists to talk about you making weird viral tiktok videos you should try not making weird viral tiktok videos and then no one's gonna do it but I, I mean, I was sad. And it's not like he's like an old MP either. It's not like he's like, you know, like one of the super old, like been an MP since like the 70s, doesn't understand social media kind of guys. Like he's a young guy. So he knows what this is about. He's just acting out and trying to, like, cause a scene and get upset because, well, I don't know. Because all it's done is just made him look like a dick. Like, none of this has made me think, oh, this poor guy, the media are bullying him. All I can see from this is he is bullying this poor journalist who is just doing her job. She works for a local paper, you know, a video of their local MP went viral on social media so she covered it she asked him for comment he didn't respond so she published it she's doing her job and he's being a twat it's sad it's really sad continuing on the theme of journalist related kerfuffles um there was some journalist drama this week because boris johnson decided that he was going to be very selective in his briefings with journalists. So 
Um, it just so happens that journalists from publications that actually call him out on his shit, like The Mirror, The Huffington Post, Politics Home, The Independent, are barred from these briefings. Um, it's definitely nothing to do with the fact that they call him out. Absolutely not. Um, but in solidarity with those journalists, other journalists from publications that were approved walked out with them and they, they said, this is not acceptable, we're not doing this, which was very cool. Um, and so as a result of that, Boris Johnson's got a lot of criticism um, and so has the government. Um, he... He was asked about it at Prime Minister's questions. He started ranting, oh, I love journalists. I'm a journalist. Um, and I can tell you, <laughs> there was quite a lot of uh, journalists on Twitter who didn't like that. And they were like, you just had a fucking columnist, you twat. But like, they were probably, they were a bit more polite about it. I wouldn't have been if I were a journalist, but I suppose that's why I'm not a journalist. Anyways, um, he was trying to act like it never happened. <laughs> uh the government were asked about it. Their response was, you know, he's very open to journalists. He does people's prime minister's questions every week. They leave Boris alone. For those that don't know, people's prime minister's questions is... It's essentially a PR exercise. It is social media videos where he answers questions that are allegedly from the public. Um, the questions are pre-selected. Um, basically he has complete control over the entire situation. He has control over how he comes across. He has control over what he's asked, what he's willing to answer. So I would not say that that is media scrutiny. Um, <laughs> but there we are. So, you know, Boris apparently loves journalists, just not when they ask him questions that he does not know how to answer. Um, which is, <sighs> yikes. Speaking of people who don't want to answer questions, Ruth Davidson, who does not like to answer questions, and once famously, she, she was, girl, she was having scandal after scandal, and she basically just hid away. There were journalists reaching out to her, and she was just like, just her, her team were like, she's unavailable for comment. This was when she was still the leader of the Scottish Conservatives. And it, it, she, it just went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. She just refused to do interviews ever. It was insane. Um, but somehow during that difficult time, she found time to go on Celebrity Bake Off. Um, which is probably why she's now been nominated for a peerage. Because beyond her winning Celebrity Bake Off, I cannot really think of any actual reason for her to be nominated for a peerage. Because, I mean, is there some kind of honour you get for losing elections? Or... <laughs> Or for, you know, abandoning your principles whenever you're told to? Like, a peerage for what, girl? I... Anyway. So that's a thing. And I mean, congrats, I guess. I, as we know, I, I, I think peerages are stupid. But, um, I mean, she's getting one. And that's nice for her, I guess. Richard Bergen, or Bergen, I, I, do you know, I think I may have been saying it wrong the whole time, but honestly, that's what he deserves. Anyways, he's still running for deputy leadership because 
the arrogance of men knows no bounds. <laughs> Jesus. He's put forward this thing. Um, this policy that he likes, this idea that he has. He wants to change the rules of the Labour Party so that Labour Party members would have a say in foreign policy decisions. So military action would not be approved until the party membership approves it, right? Now, people have checked with him to make sure that is what he means. And it is. And, um... <laughs> fucking hell. I just... I mean... There are some very sensible people in the Labour Party. There are. And there are people in the Labour Party that genuinely I would trust with foreign policy decisions. Absolutely, 100%. There are people in the Labour Party that I think I would trust with decisions that affect my life. However, there are also a great number of people in the Labour Party that I wouldn't trust to even be in the same vicinity as me, let alone make decisions that affect my life. Because, God, this is a party that has had for like... <laughs> the last few years a national scandal about the fact that they couldn't get racist and holocaust deniers out of their party and now you want me to trust them with important things girl and he's trying to frame this he, he actually said on twitter what certain responses to this policy show is the contempt some people have for ordinary people to shape their own lives Except it's not just their lives. It, you know, this is a policy that affects lives across the UK and, you know, wherever this military action may be taking place. Are you telling me that I have to put that into the hands of some of your lovelier members? You know, for example, the ones with a terrifying hatred of you know, minorities or, you know, I mean, Christ, this is the party that accidentally let in a very high profile paedophile <laughs> and didn't realise until the media pointed it out and said, hey, you, you've, it, you know, you, you should probably deal with this. I mean, this is a party that almost let a, a person who has been very open about their hatred for Jewish people and LGBT people become a mayoral candidate. I... And you, you want me to, to trust your party's membership with this? Fuck off, Richard. Honestly. Honestly, it's a fucking clown party. I can't believe it. Like, who would look at the state of Labour's membership and be like, yeah, yeah. Those are the people that I absolutely, categorically want 
to be in charge of important decisions. Do I fuck? And I mean, it's it's blatant pandering to to his party's membership, obviously, in the hopes that they will vote for him. But it's... I mean... Fucking hell. They've started doing sign language for Prime Minister's questions. That's nice. It's It's good to see, you know greater efforts to promote accessible broadcasting for important content like this. So I'm happy with that. Um, oh, forgot about this. Tracy Brabin is a Labour MP. I know I keep talking about Labour MPs, but actually this is a good thing for her because I like her, I do. She wore a dress um, and everybody lost their fucking minds. It was one of those dresses, you know where it's like, um, I don't know the proper name for it, so I'm just going to call it a shoulder dress. But basically the point is you could see her shoulder and people lost their fucking minds. It was so stupid. And I just thought, we're supposed to believe that, you know, we're this amazing, brave nation, this amazing, brave union of, of countries that's super strong and powerful and has just left the European Union and we're feeling fine and we're amazing. And you bitches are losing your minds over a woman's shoulder. That's a mess. Um, but people, like, she was trending on Twitter because people were so upset at the very sight of a shoulder. It was fucking stupid. Um, people were calling her horrible names. People were saying really disgusting things about her. And I'm like, it's a shoulder. We've all got them. What is wrong with you people? I I couldn't believe it. It was ridiculous. She had to she had to like come on Twitter and defend herself because people were attacking her over the dumbest thing. A shoulder. A shoulder. I I was just so stupid and you know what I hope that everybody walks around with their shoulders out in solidarity for Miss Tracy because she looked fabulous and honestly bitch is too fragile it was ridiculous back to the labor leadership clown show Lisa Nandy is back at it again. <laughs> I don't know why she's so obsessed with Scotland. Like, when she first started her campaign, she was, like, obsessed with towns, and she would always talk about towns, and she would go on the news and be like, towns! And then she'd be on social media and be like, towns! To the point where it became a meme. But I feel like now you could make a meme of the amount of time she's talked about Scotland. And... Anyway... So she did some interview thing and she was talking about how there wasn't much warmth for the SNP in Scotland, which, again, for those that don't seem to know, including Lisa Nandy, um, I mean, the SNP have done pretty well in Scotland for quite some time and are projected to do so for even more time. Um... 
And she was out here talking about how no one really likes them and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, she seems to have like this thing where she can, cause I mean, she's always talking about how you should listen to voters, but she only seems to want to do that when the voters are in England. Everywhere else, she's like, no, let me explain to you what it is that you want. Let me explain to you how you feel. And it's like, <laughs> go relax, what are you doing? I can't. Um, so yeah, Lisa Nandy's back at it again. Kiss Tom hasn't really done anything. Um, he's just kind of doing his thing, walking around, being like himself. Emily Thornbury has calmed down. She's not she's not yelling about how much she hates people anymore. Um she's had a pretty chill week. Um Rebecca Long Bailey, who is definitely, apparently, the best candidate for the job. Um, she <laughs> she did uh, an interview with The Guardian and she said that promotions will be based on what you know, not who you know. And then, <laughs> and then she called Jeremy Corbyn's son and said, I didn't mean you. And it's like, <laughs> so, you know, nepotism for me and all my friends, basically. I mean, that's that's something that's always bothered me about Labour as a party is they will go on TV and they will talk about how nepotism is bad. And they will stand there in the House of Commons and say nepotism is bad. But then they'll be out here getting jobs for their kids and their friends' kids and their nieces and nephews. And they don't seem to see it's the same. And I'm like, okay. But, you know, it looks like that tradition will be continuing with Rebecca Long-Bailey because, you know, well, at this point, it's hard to argue. There is a definite possibility that she is the Corbyn continuity candidate. So, um... <laughs> oh, poor Becky. Oh, I spoke about Dawn Butler last week in her big spoken word moment. It had a lot of great energy. She was in the news again this week. Um, but, like, it was bad. Um, but not for her. So, um, another Labour MP, Marsha, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, De Cordova, I think that's right. I'm really bad at pronouncing like everything. Anyway, this is why I don't have a column in The Guardian. Also because I don't have rich friends. Anyway, um, she was speaking in the House of Commons. It is important that I tell you, by the way, that firstly, Marsha and Dawn look different to each other. They do not look the same. They are both black women, but they do not look the same. Secondly... When an MP gets up to speak in the House of Commons, they're announced. Like, the, the speaker will say who is about to speak. <laughs> um, so that's important to note, because when Marsha got up to speak, she was labelled on BBC Parliament as Dawn Butler. They put up the information about Dawn Butler underneath her while she was speaking, even though she is not Dawn Butler. Now, this is not the first time this has happened where 
minority MPs have been confused by one another by the media. Um, And then during a news story to try and cover this, it got worse because, Jesus, media outlets started confusing both women for other black MPs. And it became this whole thing of nobody apparently knowing how to tell the difference between black women. And I mean. So, you know, that was a whole mess because honestly, when I tell you, if you, if you go and Google these ladies, they do not look the same. So I, I personally, I don't understand how these mix-ups happen, but unfortunately they do. But she was calling it out, and I think that's great. I think she's completely right. And hopefully the media will make more of an effort in the future to deal with this. Oh, fuck, how could I forget about that? Oh, this was so funny. Okay, so Pretty Patel is the... Is the Home Secretary. Um, it should be noted that her shadow is Diane Abbott, who everybody makes fun of and says she makes mistakes a lot. Um, and this seems to be based on one interview that she did during an election campaign several years ago, where admittedly she was actually quite unwell at the time and she still went and did the interview and she she did make some mistakes but then she you know corrected herself later but anyway everybody it's like this joke that follows her around now is that diane abbott is stupid right pretty patel is kind of (laughs) she's like kind of the darling of the conservatives because she has a very kind of um She has a very kind of sleek public image. You know, she always, when she steps out, she has her hair done. She's wearing fancy outfits. She has like, she even has like a trademark like thing she does with her face. It's like kind of like smiling, but like evil. Um, She's doing that in her new parliamentary portrait that I'm looking at right now, by the way. And I'm just like... (laughs) Miss Thing really decided to commit to the brand. Like, anyways, she did an interview about terrorism because there was a um, there was a terrorist attack on Sunday, last Sunday, in Streatham in London, and there was a lot of public outrage because it turned out that the attacker had been released from prison. As part of the early release scheme, he'd been automatically early released, and there had been no, um, there'd been no way to check whether he had been de-radicalized. He had previously been imprisoned for terrorism-related offences, and he hadn't. There, there's just been no effort to make sure that he wasn't going to do something like this. Um, he was being followed by armed police, but. Um, unfortunately, an attack did happen. Um, and so people are upset because of things like automatically released. People are upset because of the 
the various cuts to things like probation and um, prison services in general. So they think that may be a cause of this. People are upset by a lack of police. They think that could be a cause of this too. So of course, the media decides to speak to the Home Secretary, which makes sense, right? So they go and they speak to Pretty Patel. And she had a, well, she had a time. <laughs> For some reason, throughout this interview, she kept referring to counter-terrorism and counter-terrorist. But it was, she was saying them where she should have just said terrorist. And so it changed the context of everything she was saying. So it was like she was saying, we're going to bring forward legislation to stop counter-terrorism. And it's like, no, girl, no, counter-terrorism is what you're supposed to be doing. That's, that's the, the art of stopping terrorism, which is the point of what you're doing, right? Then why are you saying the opposite? I, it was a car crash. It was like, I don't know if she just like got that stuck in her head and she couldn't get it out. And so she just kept saying the wrong thing over and over. But it was a mess. And I was just like, girl. Girl. Girl, what are you doing? This is, oh man, that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for you, sis. Um, so yeah, she had a bit of a bad week. Maybe that's what she gets for smiling evilly all the time. Um... So, rough time for a lot of people this week. Um, oh, and one last thing before I wrap up. Um, there was a vote um, in the House of Commons. Um, it was... Um, it was sort of marked as a vote for English MPs. There is this thing in the House of Commons where there are certain things that are only voted on by English MPs. It's called English Votes for English Laws. Um, because, you know, I guess they, they think, you know, oh, if this is only relevant in England, there's no point in MPs from outside voting on that. Um, this was a, a bill based around the NHS and NHS funding. Um and MPs from Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland believed that it would directly affect their own NHS funding. So they wanted to vote on it. And they were basically told no. So they went and they tried to vote on it. And again, they were told, no, your vote doesn't count for this. It's for English MPs only. And, well, naturally... Um, that didn't go down well, really. Um, frankly, I, I, I think the whole English votes for English laws things is stupid anyways, because pretty much every English law, you know, pretty much everything that happens in England will at some point, even if it is just in a small way, have an effect on Scotland, Wales, or Northern Ireland in some form. It may not be a massive effect, but it is still an effect nonetheless. It is very rare 
that you will see something go through the House of Commons that has absolutely no effect on anybody else. So the the whole idea of having things that are restricted to MPs in English constituencies anyway, to me, seems a bit dumb. Um, but Westminster's going to Westminster, I guess. Um, but at a time when, certainly in Scotland anyway, support for self-determination is rising. There was polling release that showed it um, level between yes and no. There was also polling release recently that showed it, you know, support for yes a little bit higher than no. At a time when that's going on, if you are Westminster and you are obsessed with saving the union, which you think is perfect and amazing, then publicly doing something like this seems a bit dumb. But again... Westminster's going to Westminster. Normally I put a second ad spot here, but I'm just going to pop back in to remind you that you can buy Duas X Machina now on all of all of the places it's it's a book it's a record it's it's fun my mum said it was good um so yeah check it out see what you think details are in the description or you can go to my website and you can grab it check it out That was actually basically an ad, wasn't it? Never mind. My mum actually did did like it though. I I played it to her before it came out, um, and she she had a good time. Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but other people have said they liked it too. Not just my mum. If you don't trust my mum's opinion, but why wouldn't you? She's from Liverpool. Why would she lie? What would she have to gain? Anyway, um, you know, they're an honest people. Anyways, um, we'll be back next week um, with another episode. Oh, God, next week's the 100th episode, isn't it? Hang on, let me let me just double check that. Because I, I'm pretty sure it is, isn't it? Oh, fuck. Yes, it is. Next week. Oh, well, there'll be lots of exciting surprises and fun things and awesome stuff going on next week. Um, so I'll, I'll see you then. Yeah, yeah, next week. <laughs> Anyways, um, thanks to the, the cool kids over at Patreon. The top tier Patreon supporters, Amanda, Kylie, Melissa, Anna... Sam, Katie, Christina, Josie, Gabriella, David, Eleanor, Alicia, Emily, Andy and Tyler. Um, if you want to support this show and other projects that I do, you can support me on Patreon. The details are in the description or on my website. You can also do one-off donations through PayPal or Coffee, um, and you get early release content. And with Patreon, you get 
exclusive merch, free stuff, um, you get behind the scenes stuff, it's very cool. We currently have actually a special offer on Patreon. Um, everybody who subscribes between now and March will get a signed copy of my new book. I'm holding it right now. I don't know if you heard about it. It's called Deus Ex Machina. The, the fucking like actual physical books are fucking huge, by the way. It's like textbook sized. But I love that. It's like, I feel like one of those cool bitches who has like a, one of those coffee table books, I think they call them. Um, but it's like poetry instead of like photographs. Anyways, so everyone who subscribes to my Patreon um, this month will get a signed copy of the new book, as well as all the other stuff that you get as a subscriber. This also applies to existing subscribers, so you're all going to get a copy of this too. Um, and you'll all have the fun job of trying to decide from my handwriting. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, the details are in the description or on my website. I will see you next week for the 100th episode. Good night, my love. <laughs>